everybody, Jesse here from The Best Interest. If you're a regular podcast listener here, this one's going to be a little different. Every Sunday night, a group of seven of us financial educators are hopping onto Twitter Spaces, which is a new feature on Twitter that allows audio chat rooms. Each week, we're going to be tackling a different topic, drawing on our various experiences and knowledge sets. We're calling this show Up and to the Right, the direction of growth, be it personal or financial. We're recording these sessions, and I'll be posting them here on the Best Interest Podcast feed. Thanks all for listening. We had a really fun chat with some really good knowledge, and I hope you come check us out next Sunday night on Twitter. And as always, an investment in knowledge pays the best interest. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Up and to the Right, a weekly Twitter spaces where we discuss investing, personal finance, and really any idea that helps us better understand the world of money. Before getting into today's topic, let's just take a few seconds to introduce our speakers. So first, let's go to Uncommon Yield. Yeah, uh, thanks, Jesse. So uh, my handle is Uncommon Yield. Uh, David and Claire, everyone call me David in here. Uh, you know, I like to look at personal finance from a different point of view, question conventional wisdom, and um, you know, try to see where there's some a- where you can make asymmetric risks to, to maybe beat the market. Thanks, David. Uh, Roger, why don't you go next? Sure. Um, so, hi, I'm, I'm Roger. My handle here is uh, Upshot Wealth, and I love all things finance. Um, I basically went from, from zero to a six-figure net worth in two years, and by the age of 35, I grew that to like a million-dollar net worth. So, basically, I love talking about finance. That's why I'm here. Hopefully, I can share what I've learned over the years. And, you know, today's topic actually turns out to be one I'm like super passionate about. I love talking about traditional versus Roth and the different options that it provides. So glad, glad to be here. Thanks, Roger. Uh, Brandon, why don't we go north of the border with you? Sure. Yeah, so my name is Brandon. My handle is at Rinkydoo Finance. I have a blog by the same name, Rinkydoo Finance. And my real focus is on writing content that appeals to a younger audience, so people 30 and below, just trying to get them interested in personal finance and you know, thinking about money in a way that, they maybe haven't yet. So that's my deal. Excellent mission, Brandon. And um, Adam, you want to introduce yourself? I know you're at the airport. Yeah, I'll do it real briefly. So I'm Adam. Handles at Adam Schaub. I keep people. But uh, yeah, my whole thing was basically documenting my debt-free journey, paying off almost 32 grand here on Twitter, and now um, starting to grow our nest egg and in uh, our investments and doing it debt freestyle and so that's kind of what what i'm about on this account thanks adam and uh, i know you're you're in vegas waiting for your flight we're all very thankful adam that your friends found you up on that roof it was getting pretty hot up there i know uh i'm jesse kramer at best interest underscore jc and i run a, a blog a podcast and a financial advisor newsletter service called the best interest link is in my bio uh, a few of our normal contributors are missing this week. So we got we usually have Shadow Renz here, but he is uh, fixing water leaks in rural America. And Oh Hi Andy is normally with us, but he is floating down a lazy river. So this week on Up and to the Right, we're going to take a deep dive on the topic of pre-tax and post-tax investing accounts. Americans might know this as the Roth versus traditional debate. 
Now, Uncommon Yields, Dave, and Roger at Upshot Wealth, they're going to be leading us tonight. And let me tell you guys, because I've been in on the conversations, they've created a couple of crazy Google Sheets and documents to support this talk tonight. As of like an hour ago, I counted over 100 questions and comments between the two of them in those Google Docs, making sure they got their numbers and their assumptions correct. So I'm really excited to hear what they have to say. And listeners, as we go through tonight, feel free to DM any questions to me at Best Interest JC or ask for the mic, and we'll do our best to get everyone's questions in. So with that, let me hand over the reins to Roger. Take it away, Roger. Thank you, Jesse. I appreciate it. So before we start, I just want to say that these are examples not to be taken as financial advice. So remember to run your own numbers, make your own assumptions, and choose the best action for you. The goal of this space is, is to basically open up the conversation and open up ideas and concepts you may have not considered. So, okay, okay, with that, uh, let's start with some of the basics. So if you have a 401k or IRA, you've probably heard the words traditional or Roth. And give me one second, you guys, I can hear myself before I keep going. Dave, can you, can you mute Dave? Oh, I can. Cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. So going back to it, if you have a 401k or IRA, you've probably heard the words traditional or Roth, but what are they? So basically, these are two different types of savings plans that you can invest in. The key difference between the two is when taxes are paid later or now. In a traditional account, your contributions go in pre-tax, so there's no tax on your account growth. And at retirement, your withdrawals are taxed as ordinary income, meaning you pay taxes in retirement. In a Roth account, contributions are taxed before they are added to your account, so all future growth and withdrawals from your account are tax-free, meaning you pay taxes now and then you are tax-free going forward. So you may be asking yourself, which is better? The answer is whichever leaves you with more money when you retire. So how do you determine this? It really comes down to understanding your marginal tax rate. And what is marginal tax rate? Basically often defined as the tax rate of the last dollar of income. So in general, we look at your marginal tax rate as your highest tax bracket. And Jesse recently wrote about this on his best interest blog. So I'm gonna actually let him break it down further. So Jesse, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Sure, thanks Roger. Uh, yeah, tax brackets, everybody. If you already know how they work, that is great. And what I'm about to say is not going to be any sort of revelation. But if you don't know how they work, or if you can go backwards in your own mind and remember a time before you knew how they worked, you might realize that it's not necessarily common sense. So like Roger said, there's an article on the best interest with some supporting visuals that might really help you understand how tax brackets work. It's always helpful to look at them visually. But the easiest way to explain them is actually to start with the, the counter argument for how tax brackets don't work, because that's where the most common mistake happens. So let's take someone, let's say Shelby. Let's say Shelby makes $100,000 per year, $100,000. You can Google our tax brackets and find that Shelby would fall in the 24% tax bracket. And we're all smart people here, so we think 24% of 100K, that's $24,000. Therefore, Shelby is going to pay $24,000 in taxes. But that's not right. In fact, that's dead wrong. That's a flat tax, 24% on every dollar. So 
but that's not how our system works. We have a progressive tax system. If you earn more money, only the additional dollars get taxed at the highest rates. So what will Shelby actually pay? And in this example, there's a little bit of rounding, so take it with a grain of salt. But on the first $10,000, Shelby's only going to pay 10%. On the next $35,000, 12%. On the next $40,000, 22%. And only the last 15K is going to be taxed at that highest 24% rate. So Shelby's actually going to pay about $18,000 in taxes, making the effective tax rate about 18%. Shelby earns one more dollar, just like Roger just said. That one additional dollar is going to be taxed at the full 24%, making Shelby's marginal tax rate 24%. Shelby saves a dollar. He'll be saving at that 24% rate. That's really quick, the definitions of tax brackets, marginal tax rate, and effective tax Roger, back to you. Appreciate that, Jesse. And, and, and thanks, for, thanks for going through that and explaining that. So I think the hard part is like once you understand how the marginal tax rate works, how do I know if I should pick traditional or Roth? And this is where it gets tricky because you basically have to predict if you were being a higher or lower tax bracket when you retire. And the problem with that is that we don't actually know what the tax brackets are going to be when we retire. We can make assumptions of it, meaning some people some people strongly believe it will be higher in the future. Um, some people don't. Um, actually, if you looked at taxes in the 1950s, you probably asked someone in the 1950s if, if they would be paying more taxes in 2021. They probably would have told you yes. But actually, in the 1950s, taxes were higher. So it's it's really one of those things where we really don't know. So with that, I'm going to give you an example. Take out our crystal ball here, and I'm going to give an example of. Imagine you're you're married as a couple, and you make a hundred thousand a year, which puts you in the twenty four percent tax bracket, as Jesse mentioned. And you basically need to ask yourself three things: Will I be living off less income when I retire, or more? The reason reason I mention that: Imagine you had expenses, you know, could be potentially lower because maybe you have your house paid off, or your kids are out of the nest need as much money to live off you essentially having less expenses you can take out less income and if you have less income do you think and i stress think because no one knows what the tax brackets will be well do you believe that it will be that your current marginal tax rate of 24 percent will be lower in the future and then the other thing to consider is what if you want to take some of the your 100k a year uh let's say taxable income and take some of that money and put it into a 401k to move yourself out of a marginal tax rate. So for example, you made the 100,000 a year and you're at the 24% tax bracket. If you have put in 19,500 of that taxable income into a 401k, your marginal tax bracket would be lowered to 22%, right? So essentially lowering yourself from the 24% tax bracket to the 22%. So if you answered yes to these questions, you could say that your answer is traditional is better for you at retirement. If you think that even with less income, that the marginal tax rate of that lower income when you retire will still be higher, the answer is Roth would be better. And then also, if you think your marginal tax rate will be the same now or when you retire, then picking traditional versus Roth doesn't matter. 
because it's just a decision of when you pay taxes. Pay them now or pay them later. It becomes the same math. Um, and now I want to take a step back because I know you've, a lot of you have probably already heard that if you think you'll be at a higher marginal tax rate, go Roth, and if you'll be at a lower tax rate, go traditional. But these are what about other consider other what about other considerations? Here is one that most people don't even consider. What state do you live in? Do you live in a state with state taxes or no state taxes? Does your state tax retirement income or not? Do you plan on moving to a state with no state tax during retirement? These are, there are nine states that don't tax retirement income. It's Texas, Alaska, Nevada, Florida, Wyoming, Tennessee, Washington, South Dakota, and New Hampshire. The reason I bring this up is imagine you live in a high state tax state, such as California or New York, but you plan on plan to retire in Florida, which has no state tax. There can be huge implications in savings by having a traditional 401k or IRA. And that's because now you're removing tax dollars that would be paid to the state and moving them into your traditional retirement account, allowing that money to compound and grow. Another consideration, and this one is strictly about traditional, is what if you wanted to retire early, say at 50, meaning no more job, no more taxable income coming in, and now you start doing Roth conversion ladders. For those that don't know, Roth conversion ladders are when you take traditional IRA money and convert it to Roth IRA money. So yes, you pay taxes on the conversion that you made for that year, but if your income is now zero, because you're no longer employed, and the only thing that constitutes as income is this Roth conversion ladder, you can effectively plan how much to take out based on the marginal tax rate you wish to be in. And you can do this repeatedly every year so you, if you so desire. The caveat here, besides paying the taxes, is you need to wait five years per conversion before you can access that money. So if you did retire early, um, you do need to have like a brokerage account or some other form of means to hold you over for those five years until you can access that, that cash. And really the key is planning. If, if you plan right, traditional accounts can be a way that you withdraw income with a, within a, when, when the marginal tax rate is in your favor. And when you have a Roth, you don't have this option. You get taxed at whatever rate you have right now. And, and that's pretty much it. And I know I've, I've talked a lot about traditional here, and, and, and but what about Roth? Since I know a lot of you have Roths out there. I, I love Roth accounts. They're a great investment vehicle. It's hard to beat tax-free growth. I especially love them when you're at a lower tax bracket, meaning as you make more money in life and you move up the tax brackets, you need to start thinking about the decision of whether or not um, I should be putting my money pre-tax or still continue paying post-tax based on how you feel about future marginal tax rates. But in the end, the goal is to save for the future. If you're doing that, you're on the right path. And optimizing is more difficult the further away you are from retirement. But as you get closer, start having a plan on how to be tax efficient. And that's that's really critical. And with that, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna see what uh, Jesse, Dave and uh, Brandon think about all that. Yeah. Thank you, Roger. I think uh, let's go over to Dave. Dave, I know you put a lot of work into some of your math, and I, I want to hear about it. 
Yeah, so uh, thanks, Jason. And Roger, that was a really good summary of some of the, the benefits there. So I just wanted to take a step back and, and look to see if there, were, there was any, any advantages to tr- investing in a traditional IRA uh, versus a Roth IRA. And like, so, so I posted a long thread. I've already got some comments on it. It's been really good, and, and I'll go to go into some of those too. But I wanted to see, okay, if I take the same dollars um, and invest. So, so if I, so let's say, for example, I'm a 10% tax bracket. That means I have to make $6,600 to be able to invest that $6,000 into a Roth IRA. If I were to take that, those same, that same $6,600, I could uh, invest $6,000 in a traditional IRA and save $6,000 in taxes. Does that make sense? So I can... $6,600 both ways. One gets taxed already, and I go ahead and invest it in a Roth. One, I save it pre-tax, and I put the savings, save it in a traditional, I make it tax savings, and I put it in a traditional IRA. Is everybody following? Does that make sense? Are you asking emojis at that? We were good there? Okay. So I want to see, okay, what, what happens if I get the same rate? And I did it for different tax brackets um, to see if any of those tax brackets at the very top of those marginal marginal made sense to, if you had more money in retirement for um, traditional or Roth. And what kind of surprised me was if you were in the anything but the very lowest tax bracket, you came out ahead. Um, so I assumed that you were able to save taxes, even in those higher tax brackets, somebody commented and they were right. And I'm not a CPA. So I was very wrong, but, uh, once you're past a certain income level, you can't get a deduction for uh, IRAs anymore. Um, so maybe if you switch that to a 401k instead, that the math would still work out uh, and and be and and work the same way. But for almost every single scenario, as long as tax brackets stay the same as they are right now, you come out ahead using the traditional IRA. So with 12% marginal tax bracket and up. Um, I also looked at okay, what happens if tax brackets uh, tax rates doubled? So let's say you save at the current tax rate, tax rates as they are right now, but then they double right before you retire. What happens? So unfortunately, when that happens, um, and you if you saved in the traditional, um, you would have less money than if you would have done the Roth the whole time. Those extra that higher tax rate would take really take advantage of you. But if tax rates move up, let's say fifty percent, which is still a pretty big bump from where they are right now, it's kind of fifty fifty. It kind of depends. So really, what um, the my math and my analysis showed me is if things stay the same, as long as you're not in the very lowest tax bracket, it probably makes sense to look into pre-tax, pre-tax income to invest. And then as long as you invest those savings and taxes as well. Um, but if tax rates go up, depending on how high they go up, it makes it, you have to make progressively more and more money to, saving to have saving pre-tax make sense. So... Really, the answer was it depends, <laughs> like all financial things. Um, but I was surprised to see at current rates, traditional, really beat Roth in a lot of scenarios. Super cool. I, I think I think the important thing to remember is that it's it's not a battle between like you have to be one hundred percent traditional or one hundred percent Roth. Like like anything else, actually, you have options. You can let's say do split fifty fifty. That's always an option. And then realizing that as you get in the higher bracket, right? And I'm talking about 
much higher, let's say you're in the 24%, 32% or higher, then you really have to start thinking about, well, do I think that I'm going to be in these brackets when I retire? Do I think that these brackets are still going to be, do, you, do I think the lower brackets, assuming I'm taking lower income, do I think the lower brackets are going to be the new um, high brackets that we're in right now, right? So I think that's the difficulty, right? No one knows the answer to that. So it's it's not black and white. So it's kind of like the whole point of this conversation today is really to kind of give people ideas on what things to consider, where they live today um, matters, and, and kind of playing with the numbers. Yeah, I really like some of the scenarios that you guys just posed. And like you said, that we each need to ask our own questions. Roger, I love the point you made about the state that you live in. I live in New York State, really high state taxes. I hadn't thought about that scenario that you had mentioned before. But speaking of 50 states, we have Brandon here who does not live in one of the 50 states. He lives in Canada. Brandon, what what do you guys have in Canada that's kind of the equivalent of our Roth and traditional? And, and how does it apply to you and your mindset? So, yeah, our, our more rigid um, savings account, long-term savings account, would be the retirement, Registered Retirement Savings Plan, RSP. So that is very akin to... 401k where you invest money and the money you put in is tax deferred. So you don't pay taxes on it today. You pay taxes when you withdraw. And it's very similar logic. The idea is that in retirement, you're going to pay much lower taxes on um, because you'll be earning less. That's that's the idea. And the TFSA is one thing I should also mention about the RSP is that um, there are also penalties in place to discourage you from withdrawing money early. So very similar to a 401k and an IRA from what I understand. Now, the reason I love the FSA so much though, is that while you don't get tax benefits up front, you do get, you know, a lifetime of tax-free growth and you can also withdraw money at any time with no penalty. So my line of thinking living in Canada is that if I'm not certain, um, if I'm not certain what my tax situation will look like in retirement, I would prioritize the, T the TFSA because I can always pull money out for anything. You know, if I want to, if I decide I want to go back to school, if I decide, um, you know, I want to buy a house, I can withdraw money very easily and there will be no consequences. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention though, with the, well, I lost my train of thought, but yeah, that's that's generally the the landscape up here. Is you have the RSP and the TFSA, and um, those are the equivalents to what we've been talking about so far. Hey Jesse, I was thinking uh, we have a couple people that have want to ask some questions. Should I should we take some questions? I'm all for it. Yeah. All right. Cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give Cal the the mic over here. Hey guys, what's up? My name is Cal. I'm a little crazy doing, and I curse a little bit, but that's just me. All, all due respect, by the way. Um, where do I start? Let's say a guy was fucking nuts, okay? And, and he just fucking, he, he made a million dollars, okay? He even made two million dollars. Fuck, he even made five million dollars and he never gave a shit. He didn't even take one fucking penny out because he has so much discipline. He still shops at Dollar Tree. 
and he has a 457 and a 401k. Okay, and he maxes it out to $39,000 a year. On top of that, he puts away the $6,000 away for Roth. What if he does that for a fucking decade? On top of that, gets the 10% return on average. What if that man saves over a million dollars just through his Roth? Okay? What if he converts that all over and starts day trading the shit out of it? Okay? What does that man do now? What if he's up to 10, maybe 15, 20 million dollars? Okay? Where do we go from here? You know? And what if money doesn't even fucking drive him? It's not the money. It's all about the respect. It's about the legacy. What if he doesn't give a shit? What if he owns over a... Okay, that was pointless. All right, I'm going to give the well, mic to Mike to, Mike to Don over here. I, I want to give Cal a shout-out for trying. I want to give <laughs> Cal a shout-out for honest uh, advertising. He did like to swear, and I appreciate that. And Cal's answer about where does the man go from here, there's one answer, Cal. You go to the moon. <laughs> to the moon. I mean, if you got $15 million, you just got to keep going. At I'm, I'm amazed how long he waited to do that, which is kind of cool, actually. And, and you can put it all on, on AMC, correct? Is that what we do? <laughs> okay, yes, here. absolutely. Ho- hopefully, hopefully, Don will be a little better. <laughs> all right, Don, your turn. Don. Hello. Hey, hey, we can hear Sorry, you. Sorry, I didn't hear you. So my question is, I'm, I'm new to investing. Um, am I missing something when I say that if you're going Roth, then you're only being taxed on your initial, let's just call it $6,000 investment as, tr- as opposed to traditional where you're going to be taxed on your investment plus all your investment gains over the decades? Or what am I missing there? No, it doesn't work that way. So basically... Um, when in in Roth, whatever your your marginal tax rate is, that's what you're getting taxed for. You're basically getting taxed on the money upfront. That's six thousand dollars, and then everything else after those six thousand dollars goes tax free. In a traditional, the money's getting the six thousand dollars is getting put in pre tax, and the growth is also just growing. And basically, when you do the withdrawal, whenever that time comes, let's call it fifty nine and a half. Yeah, when you start withdrawing at fifty nine. Whatever the amount that you withdraw, let's say you withdraw $100,000, that gets all taxed as income. So it goes through all the different tax brackets, basically, of that 100K. So in today, if you withdraw 100K, that would be taxed at, at the, well, it would go through all the brackets with the highest bracket being the 24, 24% bracket. The, the caveat is we don't know what that tax bracket is going to look like, you know, when you're 59 and a half, assuming that you have, you're not retiring next year or, or this year or something like that, right? Let's but, say you but have. But you are, you are taxed on your investment gains, or you're not with the traditional. You're, you're not. It's just, it, it's, it's just growing. It's okay. you're putting it in pre-tax, and it's tax. You're, you're taxed on six thousand dollars in this scenario at 59 and a half. Your no, no, you're taxed at the income that you take out, whatever the amount that you withdraw. Right. Yeah, so the money will grow, and then as you take out, correct. Um, the the growth is not really accounted for in the taxes. Basically, it's just in, initial doing. investment is the only thing taxed in a traditional. At the no, end. no, no, no. So let's say you put in, let's say you put in those six thousand dollars pre tax, right? You and now your now your account grows to, I don't know. Let's say you never put another dollar. That six thousand grows into a, to a hundred thousand dollars. Let's say okay. right. Mm-hmm. So now. You're 59 and a half, and you're like, you know what? I want to take out a hundred thousand dollars, right? 
Well, now that hundred thousand dollars is taxed as income. So but 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 in a Roth, it's not taxed at all, right? That is correct, Don. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So Rogers Rogers making a distinction, Don, between something being taxed as income versus something being taxed as capital gains. Um, and and Don, do you mind? We can go through a really quick math example that I think will show you that being having traditional investments taxed isn't maybe as big of a deal as as you might think. Um, let's just say you have ten dollars today. We're going to make it really easy, and the tax rate is twenty percent. So your choice today is you can either invest the ten dollars, or you can get it taxed today via a Roth and invest eight dollars. Right, twenty percent less of ten. Okay. So now we're going to say over your investment career, the market increases by a, a 10x, goes up 10x, okay? So your $10 traditional account could grow to 100 or your $8 Roth account could grow to 80 So now you have these two different accounts. And now in retirement, your $100 Roth, or I'm sorry, your $100 traditional account is going to be taxed at some point when you start withdrawing that money. For the sake of this hypothetical, let's say the tax rate way out in the future is still 20%. What's 20% taken off of 100? It's 80, the same exact amount you have in the Roth. Okay. Did that, did that kind of help answer? Yeah, it does. it does. Okay. So if, if your tax rates are the same now and then, things kind of come out in the wash. And I've oversimplified it a little bit with the way the tax brackets work, but that is the high level message. And yeah, Roger, Dave, you guys agree? Is that fair enough? That that was perfect, Jeffrey. Yeah, that's okay. good. Okay. Appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Don. Thanks for thanks for calling in. Um, Shadow, I'm glad to see you here. You got your pipe filled, Shadow. You fixed your leak. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah. So a little water leak as a property owner, it happens, but uh, it's fixed. So all is well. Excellent. Excellent. The price you pay to play the game, I suppose. <laughs> What are your thoughts, Shadow, on taxes now versus taxes later? Well, if we're going to talk about this, and I'm going to be honest and open, I think letting the government make any decision for my money is a terrible idea. I'm not a fan. That's why I keep 90% of my money in a brokerage account. I have not funded my traditional or Roth, which I both have, have both in about five years because I'm not a fan of the government telling me when I can pull my money out or my money that uh, has made money. I know you can pull out your contributions of a Roth, I believe, early, but um, don't like uh, rules placing my money. So therefore, uh, I'm along the lines of taxation theft and the government wants my money and shouldn't get it. So brokerage accounts till I die. So, so that's fair enough. And I just want to make sure, Shadow, that everyone understands one of the issues that you have is the age. Uh, limits with Roth and traditional that you can't pull stuff out without penalty before age 59. Is that and what it is? Uh, yeah, right. So that and uh, actually they won't let me uh, put money in a Roth anymore anyways. So <laughs> kind of up a creek in that. Gotcha. And that's the income limits that Roger was talking about earlier after a certain income. Right. So, so here's my thing. If it's my money, I won't control over it no matter what. So uh, I'm not going to let somebody put limitations on my money. So I am out. Fair enough, sir. Thank you, Shadow. Glad glad you got that leak fixed. Pipes um, are good, my friend. The pipes are good. 
Uh, going around the room, anyone else have any more more ideas to bring up? I've got a quick one if we need it, but I'm happy to take, I mean, we'd love to take more questions or, you know, Brandon, Dave, Roger, I'd love to hear more from you guys. Yeah, I think it's probably worth, um, David just mentioned in the chat, it's probably worth discussing what we each do um, and the rationale behind it, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I guess I was going to say one thing because actually as, uh, one of the listeners brought it up to me. Um, actually, Jake McKinney mentioned that Illinois, uh, Mississippi, and Pennsylvania do not tax IRAs, pensions, or 401ks. So that's also out of those states that I talked about um, that give you benefits. Those are other, other three to consider. Nice. Um, so on my end, I actually try to max out both my RSP and TFSA every year. Um, and the reason I do that is just because, you know, I anticipate being in a higher tax bracket later on. But the only reason I would withdraw money from my retirement account would be to do something like buy a house. And there are programs that I can use to, to do that. So I don't mind putting that money in now because i can access it later on that's that's my rationale i think i just gave you guys my answer as well so i'm just gonna jump back in uh, i don't use any anymore i do have you know a low six figures in uh, those account but i've not funded them in five years uh just traditional brokerage or uh, throwing my money back in real estate because i'm getting better returns there guys roger why don't you tell us what you uh, I'm a big fan of traditional. Um, I, honestly, the reason I do it is one, um, higher income. So I like to keep my tax bracket lower today. And then the other thing is that I'm a big believer on flexibility. I, I like having the flexibility of figuring out basically how I want to withdraw my money in the future versus, yeah, I can do Roth today, but I'm basically forced to pay taxes at whatever rate I'm at right now or whatever the taxes are right now. I kind of like having that planning flexibility of how I want to convert the money in the future. For example, I totally plan on doing Roth conversion ladders in the future and um, basically using years that I don't have actual taxable income to do these conversions. Um, and I think that's going to be better off. I, I, I like having more money. Basically, I like having more money being able to compound. I think that's huge too. Um, because at the end of the day, it really comes down to a lot of it comes down to how much you plan on withdrawing, right? So I'm I'm really trying to focus on building the biggest nest egg I can, and then figuring out what are the best ways to withdraw that money so I pay the least amount of taxes going forward. Sense that makes sense, Dave. What what do you do? Uh, so, so right now, I have about uh, of all my savings, about forty percent of it is in. I have a 403B uh, where I'm at. The 403B, uh, both of us, I have uh, my wife, uh, she doesn't work, but we max out our Roth IRAs right now. Um, and then and the rest, like 20% or so, is in like a taxable brokerage account, like crypto. Uh, so, you know, I'm still probably 25 to 30 years away from retirement. Um, you know, the analysis like that I did show, it, it really depends on what our tax um situation is like in the future and forecasting that out 25 or 30 years is really freaking difficult um like roger mentioned like the tax brackets in the 50s were 
just insane. Like they were super high. So it's really, is it possible to see that again? Like, absolutely. Is it possible that the government does something really crazy and says, Hey, we're not going to have social security anymore, but um, you don't have to pay taxes on your 401k. You know, maybe that's possible too. Uh, I don't know. Um, so right now I'm just hedging my bets. I'm trying to keep the, those two buckets of tax tax free and, um, tax deferred for both pretty full and then as i get closer to retirement as the tax landscape becomes clearer then i'll start you know focusing maybe on one over the other yeah that that makes a lot of sense so i mean you, you two guys roger and dave i'm in the same boat i actually my employer only offers traditional 401k so i take full advantage of it my uh, ira i chose roth because I want to have that flexibility when I approach retirement. You know, the, the hypothetical that I go through is just imagine a scenario in 2050, 2048, where we still have this two-party uh, political system. By the way, if you want to listen to my political spaces, that's on Thursday nights, and it's called the Argument Hour. That's in other spaces, though. Um, but just imagine, right? And we flip-flop between Republicans and Democrats every four years, and we get high taxes, low taxes, high taxes, low taxes every four years. Well, I want to have the flexibility of going Roth traditional, Roth traditional for where I'm getting that retirement income from. Um, I have an interesting argument, though. I think the wealth dad might have been the first person who mentioned it, where he was vouching for all Roth, as much Roth as you can do, because that way you guarantee that you're not paying any taxes later, and it makes planning so much easier. You don't have to have that, that question mark in your mind. You don't have to have that unknown in your future plans. You just remove it from the equation altogether, and it, it makes retirement planning easier in that case. It might not be mathematically optimal, but psychologically, he, he, I'm not sure if he does it or not, but he thinks it's worth considering. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. I, I guess, though, if you really think that we're going to continue to have a marginal tax bracket, you know, having some pre-tax income to take advantage of that lower portion of that marginal tax bracket, I think makes a, a lot of sense. I think that's, I know, I, I, I saw his argument and I think that I said the exact same thing to him. And he's like, well, I don't care. And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> I mean, that's fine. That's fine. But I think having some, um, some base there, you know, because right now, I mean, he, he's making good income. He's making, you know, I think like with him and his wife, mid six figures, you know, okay, you're paying 22% on that money going, you would save 22% on any of that money you'd save pre-tax. And then if you fill up the lower tax bracket the way it is right now, you would only pay 10%. Like that's a pretty easy arbitrage to do. Now I understand maybe not leaning too far that way and maybe leaning more towards the Roth, but I don't understand doing all of it. I don't, I don't think that makes sense to me personally, but I'm with you, Dave. Like I, I, I think, I think there's like anything else in life, right? There's some balance, right? You can you can kind of hedge a bet one or the other a little bit if you want, but definitely skewing completely one way or another also is also is difficult, right? Because it's like at the end of the day, you don't know. That that's the hard part, right? You don't know what's the optimal. There's you can you can emotionally feel like you're what you're doing is the right thing, and you're hoping you're doing the right thing, but it's it's really a guessing game right now, and also, kind of to Jesse's point about like Congress, man, it's like, I mean, depending on, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on, it's like, 
nothing gets done, right? So it's like, and also I think it's pretty bipartisan that people don't like taxes going up. So I think in general, there's always a battle there too. So that's kind of like my thinking about it. I, I know that there's always thoughts that taxes will go up, but will they actually go up? Will there actually be changes that happen? I mean, it's it's up in the air. It really is just a, you know, a feeling. You can always escape to Canada. That's true. I'm, 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 I'm I'm I might go to Vancouver, man. I love Vancouver. <laughs> Speaking of that, Brandon, we actually had a couple questions coming in, one of them from Canada. Uh, the first question, which I think is rhetorical, but is worth mentioning, we had Mason ask, uh, yeah, guys, but what if you don't care about the money? You just do it for the respect. Five, 10, 15 million, then what? Great question, Mason. Again, I will refer you to the moon. Please go there. Um, but then we had Stephen Wealthy at My Wealth Money asked me, I should say asked us, I apologize, asked us, can you use these retirement accounts, 401k, Roth, IRA, traditional IRA, can you use these accounts as collateral for loans? Roger, Dave, I mean, you happen you, to know? You could definitely take out, you could definitely take out loans on your money i mean you could take out a loan out of 401k would i advise it i mean i guess it depends personally I'm, I'm not a big big on that i don't know if anyone else has opinions on it yeah I, I honestly i don't know i don't know i would look for other sources of liquidity before leveraging your retirement account could, but i don't know so i know i know in canada there's a system where you can if you're a first-time home buyer you can borrow from your retirement account I'm not sure. Does that yeah. buy in the yeah. too? Yeah. Yeah. So you can, I mean, Roger, I think Roger hit the nail on the head. You can. Whether it's advisable is questionable. And I'm going to, you know, when I can't think of something good, which is often, I often Google what Charlie Munger or Warren Buffett or John Vogel thinks because they, they've been known to have good thoughts. And Stephen, I'm going to point you to Charlie Munger's quote. The first rule of compounding is never to interrupt it unnecessarily. So in dire straits, yeah, you know, you, you can take out a loan on your 401k and it might help you out. But if you're really caring about the compound growth over time, don't interrupt it unnecessarily. Yeah, I think the Jesse, I mean, I think that, so your, your point's fair. If you actually like borrow against your 401k, like a lot of programs, they, uh, like you, you earn back the interest you pay back to yourself is, is what I understand. But I think, I don't know if he's asking if you can collateralize it and then take a loan out against that collateralized value, um, which is honestly a really interesting thought. I, I, I just don't know. I don't know if that was your point, Steve. But if that, if that was it, then you would still continue to get all that growth and then you would just have that as collateral if you didn't pay the loan back. Gotcha. I see. I'm getting the three blue dots in my DMs and Steven says, yes, collateralize it. That's what he was asking about. So I might have answered the wrong question. I guess you could take out, and I mean, I wouldn't recommend doing this, but I guess you could take out a line of credit and, you know, count on being able to repay that. And if you don't, if you can't repay the line of credit, then you dip into your retirement account. I guess you could do something like that. Right, right. So all depends. So Dave, you were saying with a, if you can, if you can use your 401k as collateral, then you're not actually pulling money out and, and borrowing directly against your 401k. You're not removing money from your 401k. 
it's just there in case shit hits the fan. That was yeah. Yeah, it'd be like if you took a margin loan. So it, an easier example is if you had a brokerage account, or maybe um, maybe not that. So like a, a home equity line of credit. So you still have your house, value your house can still go up, but you just have to pay that home equity line of credit down. Um, it has the home equity line of credit has no bearing on the actual value of your house. It has bearing on um, your net worth, but your house is worth what it's worth regardless of that what that line of credit is. If that makes sense. Yeah, I'll follow that. Um, we just had another question come in from the defensive investor at TD underscore investor. Thank you for the question. It is, if you have a Roth or traditional, can you utilize both of them in the same year? Roger, do you know this? Can you actually repeat the question? Sure, sure. If you have a Roth and a traditional, can you utilize both of them in the same year? Like, can you fund both a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA in the same year? You can fund both, but there's a, a cap to how much you can fund. Right. Um, there's like like the six k cap is what it is for the IRAs, right? So you're limited to that. So I, you can put like three k, three k, for example. Excellent, excellent. Thank you for thank you for that answer, Roger, and thank you for the question, uh, defensive investor. Anyone else in the chat have any questions? I see some familiar faces. Stan, hello. Clint, thanks for coming in. Rory Davis, is that is that Metzit Ozel in your in your profile pic, Rory? Uh, I'm a soccer guy. I like that. Junior NSA, hello. Victor, hi. Uh, feel free to DM us or ask for the mic if you have any questions. Uh, around the room, Brandon, Roger, Dave, any more thoughts? Well, I know Defensive Investor had requested a speaker i'm going to ask him if, if uh maybe you can do a an emoji for me if you still have another question if not i'm gonna kill your request okay cool i do have um actually no this is shadow coming back well cool um i think this is a great this is a great conversation some really good info guys sounds like the Roth versus traditional debate will go on, but really the right answer is it's fairly personal. There's some math that you can do. There's some great tools that you can use to figure out your specific situation, what makes the most sense for you. Uh, ooh, defensive investor did just message me and said, Mike, please. So he might have another question. Well, let's do it. All right, he's got the mic. Hey, how are you guys doing? Hey, good. Thanks. Great. How you doing? Good. So, um, I'm kind of a beginner when it comes down to the Roth and the traditional. So, I started my Roth last year. So, my question is, and I'm kind of puzzled between it. So, I think Roger said you can max, but you can only do it half and half. But let's say you have a Roth with M1 Finance. And you have a traditional with um, Webull, um, just speaking. How do they know if you put the same amount of money in my M1 Finance, my rotten M1 Finance, and put the 6000 in the traditional in Webull? Mm -hmm. how, does that, how does that raise a red flag for them to know, okay, he, he maxed both of them out with the full amount. 
Yeah. It, it gets it gets sent to the so basically when you put in the money, the Weeble or M1 or any of those are supposed to send information to basically all your tax information gets sent to the IRS, and then basically it comes down to the IRS knowing that you made these contributions, and then you have the potential of getting audited for for that. Okay, that 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 make a lot of sense. I was thinking about that. Also, um, so you said the Roth is the pre-tax. That's the one that I have. No, the, oh, Roth, the, uh, the Roth is after tax. So after Roth, tax, yeah, after yeah. tax. Traditional is pre-tax. Yeah, so I, the after tax, even though I'm trying to see, because I told my CPA uh, when I was doing my taxes this year that I maxed my Roth for last year and it gave me some deduction. So that's another thing that I didn't hear you guys mention on. Can, can you use that as a write-off, right? No, that's not something you can use as a write-off. Uh, but depending on your income limits, you, you can get a tax. There's something called a, a saver's tax credit. Um, so so that's that's possible. That's that's only reserved, though, if you're in like really low uh, income. So if you have, like for whatever reason, like, lower reported gross income or AGI, you'd be available to it. Um, that, that, that would be the only thing I could think of where, where that might be the case. But I don't know if anybody else has any comments. Okay, that makes sense because, well, my realize is way lower than um, what I really have, so which is a good, good point. So I guess that's why I, I got that deduction. But it was like a few dollars, though. It wasn't anything really crazy. Yeah, that that really makes a lot of sense. Uh, and just like to to your point on like what you had like the two accounts you were talking about, like when when you do your taxes, you have to say how much you put in a traditional and how much you put in a Roth, and you can't go over. And if you do go over, then you're supposed to pay a penalty at that point. And I believe that penalty compounds year over year. So the sooner you get that out of the way, the better. Um, I think it's really a good idea um, to probably just keep uh, for each year one account that you're con contributing to, just so you know exactly how much you put in and you don't make a mistake. Um, but you know, that's anybody can get as fancy as they want. But I think that's just—I know I've done that in the past. I've had two different accounts, and I didn't make a mistake, but I got close. Um, so it just makes it easier. Okay, thanks. I think it was Roger who mentioned having. The Roth and the traditional, and then do both of them. I think that's something that I'm gonna look into doing because I think at some point that um, I'm 29, so 30 years from now, I'm I'm positive that the taxes is gonna be a bit higher than what I'm paying now. So I feel comfortable with the Roth, but I might mix it and get in a traditional or traditional. I, I think I think the important sorry I think the important thing to know is just, just because taxes go up though the key thing too is knowing that what you don't know is is it, will your tax bracket go up right like because there's multiple brackets but I do like the idea of like when you're unsure like you know passing your bets right fifty fifty you can't really go that wrong that right route either right it's not a bad thing in my opinion but obviously it's an opinion. Yeah, that's true, but I'm on a mission to build that wealth, so I'm 100% positive I'm going to be in a higher tax tax bracket, 
30 years from now. Maybe the maximum. <laughs> That's uh, one thing I heard you say there, defensive investor. I had two great thoughts on your question. The first one was, I think you said that you guaranteed that tax brackets will be higher 30 years from now. Just wanted to let you know that we are going to be publishing this as a podcast. So 30 years from now, we can come back and check that check that uh, guarantee. <laughs> and, but the second thing was, I just thought your question was fantastic because it raises a really good point that Webull and M1 Finance, in your case, they aren't necessarily going to put those uh, safety rails out there for you. Instead, you're going to have to do it on your own. And at the end of the year, the IRS, like Dave said, could potentially punish you for a mistake. Is that a problem with the system? Maybe. But the fact of the matter is that we each have to be careful with our own finances. Um, the organizations involved, the financial organizations or the IRS, they might not protect us until it's, until it's too late. I, I really appreciate that because I was really thinking about, I was listening to you guys and I'm like, well, might as well I just get both of them and just do it. And then it comes to my mind, there got to be something, some limit to what you can do or some something would happen if I do both of them. So that's why I thought about asking. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. And we actually had a couple great comments come in in the DMs. So Jake McKinney, hi, Jake. Jake commented, um, it sounds like right before Dave got to pointing that out, Jake was coming in to say, just to add, you will get a penalty if you overfund your IRAs. Um, and you will continue to get that penalty until you withdraw those extra funds. So thank you for backing us up there, Jake. And then uh, Lando Bologna, is it Bologna? Hey, Dan, hey Dylan. Uh, Dylan said, uh, how does it work? for passing down these IRAs via inheritance? Is, it, is there a difference between passing down traditional versus Roth via an inheritance? Does that factor into our decisions to fund them today? You guys know the answer, Roger and or Dave? It's a great question. I don't know the answer. It, it does make a difference. So my understanding is Roths, you can, you can pass along and there are no taxes uh, owed on the Roth. Uh, if you have any traditional or pre-tax income, there will be income paid on it when they're, when that distribution is made. And kind of what's hard about that, too, is there could be a different required minimum distributions that you have over a certain period of time to take those out. Um, and it could be disadvantages. It could be tough for you if you already have a higher income and then you have to start taking uh, IRA or pre-tax funds out um, for whatever your heirs are. Um, that's what I understand, but please, please correct me if I'm wrong. Gotcha. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. I, I didn't know that. I don't know the answer. And, uh, I mean, that'd be a great, great question. If there are more questions about that, <clears throat> I, I bet the power of Google has, has the definitive right answer out there. Um, we're coming up on the top of the hour, everybody. And that's usually when we try to stop this spaces. We've got a couple more minutes. If you have a question, feel free to request the mic or send a DM. Um, got one more DM from the defensive investor asking, is that Drake from State Farm? I'm going to say yes, because not only is it the power of Jake from State Farm, but it's also the power of Drake. And that's two things combined into one. Canada, represent. I know they love Drake up there. Let's go. Um, Jesse, I kind of have a, an interesting kind of thing to think about. So one of the 
I have a, I have a brother-in-law. He's about to get married. Um, and I, you know, been talking to him about money a little bit, trying to encourage him to invest and talking to him about, you know, loan payoffs and to pay off his loans and when to invest and different things. Um, but one of the things that I kind of mentioned to him is like, you know, you might want to consider having your, you know, save up your emergency fund and a savings account over the course of the year. And then you could throw that in a Roth IRA when you do your taxes and then have that continue to be your emergency fund because you can take out that basis at any time. You can make that contribution for that year because you can't get, you can't like make retrospective contributions in a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA. When the year's over, the year's over. So that emergency fund will be there. Just don't, maybe don't invest it or maybe put it in something super conservative. But at least it's there. Has anybody else thought about that before? Trying to use a Roth as an emergency fund? I, I hate that idea personally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, to me, emergency fund is exactly that emergency fund, right? And the problem is that once you put it as an investment, don't invest know, it though. I'm saying don't invest it. You can just have then, then why, then why put it in then? Because it, because you can't make that contribution again in the future. When the years pass, it's past. That that's an interesting concept. I mean, literally just put it in and yep. do nothing else with it. That's interesting. Yep. It makes taxes a little bit complicated, but you know, you can't get the year back. That's a hundred percent true. That's actually. I, I've never thought of it that way. I, I guess for me, it's always been from that perspective, you know, just don't want to, you don't want to put yourself in a situation of like, oh, it's my emergency and take contra- contributions out whenever. And then all of a sudden something horrible happens in the market. Ima- imagine it's, you know, COVID 2020 March, right? And all of a sure. sudden you need that money yeah. right away. I mean, you'd be in deep trouble, right? So I hear what you're saying. It's I think actually it's... something I'd never considered. It's a pretty cool thought. But yeah, not. Yeah. I think it's interesting too. If you're the type of person who, if you just had it in cash, you would be tempted. You would be more inclined to spend it on things that are kind of emergencies, but not really. Like if you have it in a structured account, and there would be a bit of a process to take it out, you might be more inclined to only take it out for very serious situations. I think it's interesting. Yeah, he's limited. I'm just thinking about folks that have limited funds. You know, I mean, I, I think we're all really fortunate that we have um, extra funds to be able to, 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 to live our lives, enjoy our lives, but also like invest quite a bit of overflow. But there's people that are kind of that are on the margins. Like, how do they try to take advantage of some of these things uh, with the money they do have and not have it be, you know, too burdensome on them? So. The, the the only caveat is you know not getting sucked into like oh I wanna I see everyone else making a lot of money I have this money right here it's ready I'm gonna do it and I think that's straight that's, into that's, AMC that's where it gets tricky you know and 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 things can change I have I have two other people that have requested Jesse I don't know if we want to go over how you how you sure let's two. yeah let's just take these last two and and then that'll be a great way to to end it okay cool let me do that. I'm going to add uh, AWB as a question. So I'm going to let her speak. Hello. Hey, AWB, Ariana Grande, you're live. Yeah, hello. So, we had to give you knowledge about uh, Think Math. So, I'm a professional Think Math player, and I play for an esports team. 
and right now I'm making a lot of money off it. So I want to teach how to how it works. So basically, right, you sign a contract and then you get paid weekly. Just are you? To play uh, a game. Can I stop you real quick? I, I'm, I just can't quite hear you. But are you advertising to us about signing weekly contract? No, 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 no. I'm saying how how I become a pro player in Fortnite. No, get out of here. Why? Okay, let's. Uh, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take one. One more question here, and we'll go from there. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys. We we're, we're letting you speak. You know, use those privileges wisely. I'll speak and sign off and say happy Father's Day again to all you fathers out there. Not a conservative-fueled uh, uh, rant by any means, but I think uh, a strong male father figure is the most important thing. We're lacking a lot of America, so all you strong dads out there uh, active in your children's lives, I uh, appreciate you and hope you had a great day. Here's Thanks, Shadow. Appreciate Shadow. it. Thanks, uh, speaker with a with a French flag, we see you. You're you're on. I have a uh, question. Go, Go for it. it. Is anyone here in the fitness at all? Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. I think that kind of cut, cuts it for us. I think we were we were three for six on questions tonight. That's not bad. That'll get you into the <laughs> Hall of Fame. <laughs> Last week was awesome. Give questions week, only from here on out because people are dumb. <laughs> well, everybody who is still here with great questions, and uh, we really appreciate you guys calling in. Uh, Dave and Roger, thank you guys for putting in all the work this week and making such a fruitful conversation. Uh, listeners, we hope you come back next week to Up and to the Right, where I know I promised last week we would talk about crypto. We couldn't quite do it because we didn't have Andy here, and he's a big crypto guy. But next week, I think we'd like to talk about crypto, but You'll see some advertising from us during the week on next week's topic, next Sunday night. And with that, I think we're ready to sign off. Thank you. And, ju and Jesse, one last thing. If you guys enjoyed this episode, make sure you follow us. I mean, we all talk about finance um, or, or something related to it. So make sure you follow us and uh, we'll have a next, an episode next week. Enjoy your fitness. <laughs> <laughs> you, you too, Shadow. The, the questions, the questions will be fun on the on the crypto they will. spaces. Yeah. They might have to do only those yeah. on on the crypto. Can't yeah. wait for the crypto questions. Five mil, <laughs> ten mil. Just to let you guys. Know. <laughs> I swear. I swear. <laughs> All right. Have a good night, everybody. Have a great work. See you. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Cheers, Bye. guys. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs>